That's not dialogue, so we know that. But the dialogue will happen in homes. And so if you're looking for a chance to be able to share your experiences and your understanding, your question, with a group of other people who are longing to to know and live and breathe in the reality of Jesus Christ in our lives today, then I want to encourage you to get connected in a group of people. And we're going through this, this uh, material called the Gospel Primer. Um, there's like a, a daily workbook that a, a number of you have gotten one. We have another 20 left if you'd like one. And it has daily sort of just conversations and scriptures and stuff to engage in so that we can all be wrestling and and reading and trying to understand one of the most significant things of this world, this, the idea of the gospel, which means good news, the good news of Jesus Christ in our lives. And, then it, and for many people, when we think of the good news, we think of um, a message that we received at one time that impacted our eternity. But even as you heard Scott even proclaiming that he heard this good news, he saw it demonstrated in the life of Harvey. He heard it being communicated to a group of people, and it affected him in that day, being reminded of God's great love. And so this isn't just something that at one time we heard and accepted these right truths and then found ourselves in some sort of club or a membership or so with some insurance policy for the future. It's something that has implications. And it should have implications for every day of our life. But even so, we can know that it can be, it can be challenging because we can forget. And it is, there is a lot of language around it. That can be complex or confusing. And there's certain things that can even make us uncomfortable. Uh, Jim Gaffigan, a, a comedian, he talks about some of that uncomfortability. And he says it, he just kind of throws it out there just with the name Jesus. So maybe you've seen his small clip about, you know, as he mentions faith within his uh, comedy routine. But here, here's that small clip in order for all of us just again to be reminded of sometimes even how uncomfortable the name Jesus is um, for so many people, right? I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. <laughs> he, he better not. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're religious or not. Does anything make you feel more uncomfortable than some stranger going, I'd like to talk to you about Jesus? <laughs> yeah, I'd like you not to. <laughs> you could say that to the Pope. I want to talk to you about Jesus. You'd be like, easy, freak. I keep work at work. I have to admit, that was a good impression of the Pope. Okay, now, the reality is that there's the whole, there's all kinds of people saying, oh, yeah, that is. There's a complete stranger coming up to you and saying, hey, I want to I talk to you about Jesus. Right? And many of us would be uncomfortable, one, because we don't maybe not know that person and not sure what they're, they're talking about. But we, we can sense that uncomfortability with some heavier conversations of life. And especially when we're talking about the realities of Jesus, it does so. And I, I don't know, I was just kind of just thinking, why is that so uncomfortable? And at times I think it's uncomfortable because, because maybe it does, it brings up these deeper questions that we may not want to talk about. It may bring up the, the fears and the concerns and the things that we're not actually sure of. And we'd rather not address them. Right? It brings up these things that, that involves a depth and a vulnerability of life when we are actually talking about the things of Jesus. Not to mention there's a whole bunch of baggage that may happen when people are talking about Jesus that you've had from your own experience. Uh, recently, I, you know, been, I'm meeting with a counselor and 
we're engaging in conversations and typically they will bring up your past, right? And I begin to share the story of my life as I understand it. And there's a number of times when he'll ask questions like, did you ask them about that? Did you, did you go to your parents and ask them why this or that happened? Did you engage in your marriage asking why this or that happened? And I'll be like, no. <laughs> and it's a very simple question. Hey, did you ask why such and such never visited you or came to see you? Or, right? It was very, very minimally involved. And did you ask why? I'm like, no. You're like, why not? Yeah, I know. Yeah, those why nots are tough. Why not? Well, because I might as uncomfortable. Because there's a vulnerability, even in that question, a vulnerability that maybe I won't like the answer. Or a vulnerability in it of saying, oh my gosh, this is me putting myself out there saying either I'm hurt or confused or wondering if you really love me or wondering if you're ever concerned about me or struggling with our reality. And so there's a number of we avoid maybe this because we know there's a great depth that is needed and it reveals maybe certain things about us that we maybe just don't want to have to be revealed. But yet if they were, if they were revealed and our fears were brought forward and we did voice those concerns out loud, if we did step into those vulnerable conversations with people we trusted and a truth that was really, really good was exposed, can you imagine the kind of healing Imagine a kind of confidence, the kind of joy, the kind of reality that could breathe upon our sort of fractured lives. It would be so good. And so when we're talking about today is about this reality of the good news that we just don't need to hear at one time. But this reality of this good news that has implications for our everyday living Uh, In a text in Hebrews 3, um, the the writer of Hebrews is is writing to this group of folks and he's trying to sort of encourage them on this path of life that they're in. And he's trying to encourage them to to, um, not fall away. And he calls it sort of having this sort of unbelieving heart. Right? Like, and, and what... He was referencing, he was referencing, this author is referencing Israel who has this unbelieving heart who yet experienced God's provision and love and redemption when God frees them from slavery but continues to be able to trust that God really loves them and is going to provide for them in every turn of the life, right? So he calls it an unbelieving heart that makes it really hard to trust and to love and to be vulnerable. And he, he's encouraging them saying, don't, don't have that kind of heart that doesn't believe this is what it says in Hebrews 3, verse 12. See it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a, has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But the encouragement is this. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness, by the lies that are going on in this world. And so it could be a sin. It's just sort of all about this sort of um, lack of these, these lies uh, about our unbelief in God. But this text says encourage each other every day with these realities of the gospel. The gospel is something that we just don't hear once and check the boxes of what we believe. It's something that we need to continue to be almost to be allow ourselves to continue to remind ourselves what is true. And also that we have a language that we can remind each other about what is true. For our own good. To encourage ourselves so that an unbelieving heart doesn't continue to come in 
and deceive us and to turn us away from the living, really good God. So if we're just going to go for a definition, and I love this working definition of just sort of the gospel, and this is just sort of an overarching one. And if you if you have the, the gospel primer book, it's $10 when you have more. But Tim Keller, they, they kind of using his working definition for like, what's the good news? They put it in a sentence. And so I, I love this sort of explanation. We put it out there on the marquee. This is what good news is. We think this is a shorthand for the gospel of how we could explain it. The gospel is that God himself has come to rescue and renew creation. And that includes us, creation. That's all of it. In and through the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. That's our sentence, right? That's our, this is, this is the gospel of what God has done. He has come himself, that God himself has come to rescue and renew creation in and through the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And this is an ongoing work that he's continuing to do to rescue and renew. And we are a part of that. And so as a part of this, we know that it's so essential for every one of us that we must allow this truth of who God is what he's done in our new identity in Christ to inform all of our life. And that's what this journey is about. How do we do that? How do we step in and be vulnerable? How do we allow these truths of the gospel to continue to wash upon us for a true reality? And so today, that's what we want to talk about. And so uh, this journey, is if, you, if you've been through this, it's going to take us through a whole bunch of stuff about being able to understand this good news. But today, I want to talk about some truths of the gospel. These are aspects of this good news about God who has come to rescue and renew us through the work of Jesus Christ. And it's stuff that has um, past implications, meaning this has stepped into our past, it has present implications, and it has future. This is not something that just has future implications. But that's what we want to talk about. I want to mention four of these truths. Uh, I want to reference these and I want to give us a chance to rest through what the implications would be not only for ourselves individually, but maybe for our community and our relationships in our neighborhood. And if you're in groups and discussions, this is what you're going to be talking about this week. These kinds of things. And so the, the four truths that I want to just kind of point at. Um, through this, there are some of them are very religious sounding. They're terms like salvation and justification and adoption and sanctification, right? But these are truths about what has happened in the past and the present and future that we need to be able to continue to be, to be encouraged in daily and know how to encourage each other in them. So these truths are based upon the perfect life the sacrificial death of Jesus and his resurrection. And because of his perfect life, his sacrificial death and his resurrection, we are, and the first one is this, we're completely saved from the penalty of sin, given eternal life with God. Completely saved from the penalty of sin. See, sin can be described in a number of different ways in the scriptures. It mentions it in all kinds of ways. It talks about as a weight that presses down upon us, a burden that we carry, a stain that covers our bodies, a debt that we have incurred. And so even in the story of Jesus, it's using that language. And Jesus says, I am the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, a sacrificial lamb. 
And so that's what salvation is. Completely saved from the penalty of our sin. Given eternal life with God because of Jesus' perfect life. Sacrificial death. And eternal resurrection. The next one. Because of Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection, we are declared righteous. Now, this is so religious, right? We don't use that term. Bill and Ted used that, I think, back in, um, right? Righteous, dude. Terrible. I'm sorry for even referencing that. Meaning right with God. Right? Being right with God because of Jesus' perfect life. It's exchanged for ours. We are considered right. Justified. Right with God. That's what justification is because of Jesus. And the other truth is because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we are children fully loved and accepted by our Father, made part of His family forever. This is adoption. And the fourth truth that we're going to look at for the implications Because of Jesus' perfect life, sacrificial death, eternal resurrection, we are given a whole new life and identity by the Holy Spirit who now lives inside of us. This is sanctification to be set apart. These are the four truths I want to look at, and I want to look at the implications of for these, because this is the part where we're kind of saying, hey, do we know how to actually embrace these truths, to wrestle through the realities of what this would mean for us, to truly believe them, to receive it fully in our past, in our present, in our future, and what it would mean for us to believe that upon others and to share this with them, these great truths. So let's look at the first, the implications. How about the implications for salvation? And because of the gospel. Now, if you're going through the material, it talks about the implications of this salvation, meaning that we've been completely saved from the penalty of sin. So we don't have to live holding on to the guilt and the shame of our past sins. Of the missteps that we've had. And I know that for all of us who have lived long enough, we have those things that the guilt for mishandling people and relationships. The guilt that we have for maybe even wronging others with the abuse of our tongue, of our hands. We know what that is to feel the weight of our guilt. And for some, it even leads to shame that we believe that uh, we are bad to our core. That we in ourselves are sinful. We're bad in ourselves, not in the things that we do. What's so beautiful about this reality of salvation, not only that our past sins are completely forgiven and dealt with, is with salvation, but, and here's this reality in our present, the present area of our lives that God is still working on. This is what salvation is. That God is still presently at work within you. I, I couldn't tell you how many Christians I know who, who are wrestle with life, with life because they have believed this truth of the forgiveness of the penalty of sin, but then they struggle to be able to receive grace as they go on an ongoing manner being stuck in patterns of brokenness and sin. And they feel like, okay, you forgave me for this, but, but I, I, this is not my future is not covered, right? I'm not doing something right. And so they quit or they give up. Or they hide 
No, they think that they have to fix it themselves. But the truth is, for us and for others, that God is still at work within us. Regarding our brokenness, regarding our hurts, regarding our sinfulness, regarding the wrong patterns of our thinking, regarding the wrong patterns when we respond to each other, when we're hurt by each other, and when we're afraid. He is at work within us. And he wants that truth to free us from this. We've been given a totally new identity, a new life in Christ. And because of this, an implication is, because this penalty of what we've done to others and to God, we then, because God has been so merciful and to forgive us of this penalty, implications for community and for life, that we can forgive each other. We can forgive each other the great wrongs that we've done each other and extend grace to others with great courage. See, this is for relationships. The implications for this would be huge for our people. And so here's what I want you to do. Take, 40, take a minute here, turn to the people next to you and say, what would it look like to be a part of a family? Right? A group of people who truly embraced and believed this and reminded each other of this when it came up about their own brokenness, about their own weakness, or even their own sins, that the penalty of that had been taken care of and that God was still at work in your life regarding the sins of it. What would it look like to be a part of a people who lived that way? How would they treat each other? How would they handle each other? So turn to the person next to you and say, Hey, have you ever been a part of that? Have you ever been treated that way? What would it look like? For a group of people to believe this and how would it affect their relationships with one another? So share a thought or two with the person next to you. Okay, so uh, any, any, did anybody share anything that they thought would be interesting? What would a people look like? Anything resonate with you? Just shout it out. What's that? United? Peaceful? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, not having to hide, right? Not being afraid of... Absolutely. Be a people who are marked so differently by this reality of the good news that the penalty of our sin was taken care of. So that when we were even struggling with active sin in our lives, we didn't have to hide it because that penalty is being taken care of and God is at work. We're not powerless in this and we do have a part to play, but God is at work in us. I tell you what, it, it, it frees it frees us for believing how good God, God is at work in every one of you. 
right now, today, in this regard. Because he loves you. It's so good. The second one, justification, the implications for this. Again, the justification, you know, we are right with God because of Jesus' perfect life in exchange for ours. And this is reality. Here's some implications for this. That we don't need to control other people's opinions of us. We're right with God. Boy, it hurts when somebody else's opinion of you is not accurate. It's painful. How much time have you spent dwelling on the opinions that somebody else has in you and trying to defend yourself in your head? How many hours have you um, prepped what you would say if you got a chance to defend yourself among somebody who you know is not pleased with you and yet that, that conversation has never happened? How much wasted anxiety has been lived in that as you're trying to um, show yourselves right or worthy or to defend? Boy, you live with such a different reality knowing that we were right with God. And that in that we didn't need to control those opinions of us or try even to impress God with our spirituality. Not having to impress God with our patterns our practices to impress God with counting up the good things that we've done we didn't have to tell God again remind him of the number of people we've helped or how much money we've given or what we've donated or how we've been nice to people or even tell others because now we were just right with God justified exchanged because of who Jesus is we were right So we didn't need to impress since the father now sees Jesus's perfect life and status when he looks at us. We would never need to say, I'm a good person. I've I've done good. We would never use that sort of even reasoning, even when there was hardship in our lives, because we would know that the father sees Jesus when he sees us. This exchanged life. And so there's there's never even a conversation there because we could be set free from being realizing that. That's what justification is. And if we live into this reality that we are right with God, this exchanged life because of what Jesus has done, we can live with huge humility. That we're not right with God because of what we've done or how good we are or how nice we are or about how many compassion acts that we've done. That we were right with God because of Jesus and it's, it's humility. Because all it does is point to a God who's so good to us and kind to us. We live with deep humility and gratitude and way greater confidence and joy. That's what justification is for being this right standing with God. Let me move to um, adoption here, this third one, and the implications for that. Of all the four we're talking about too, this is the one with the least religious language around it, right? Because it's a language we still use today. number of families here who have adopted, right? Myself included. And so when we hear the language adoption, we just don't connect that to a spiritual reality. We connect that to a a real reality that there's a number of people who have been adopted here and who are adopting. And we know that language is about adoption. We're thinking about the good news of the gospel. Adoption doesn't speak to a contract between God and us, right? Adoption doesn't speak to a legal thing. It speaks to family, It speaks of this reality. It's a family language. It's a beautiful language of this good news. 
And the implications are huge in this adoption language. That we have nothing to earn. We don't have to prove our value. Because we're fully loved and approved and valued by the Father. And, as, and for those of you who have experienced and are an adoptive parent, you can know this. The value and the love and the approval that you want to pour out upon this child as image bearers of the Father. How beautiful it is. But how many of us are still struggling to find this sort of approval and value from the Father, and yet we still think we have to earn it by doing something spectacular? Still to this day, even this morning, I was driving here, somehow the radio was on. It was an 89X, and, and there was just like, I don't know if it was like a Led Zeppelin song, but that's what it sounded like, you know, great song. And I'm listening to it, and immediately I'm taken back to my junior year of high school in the talent show that I was a part of in my band. Um, and when I hear a song like this, still to this day, right, I think back to that and I dream about what if we'd played that song at the talent show, right? Because that's like a really good song instead of the song that, that we played. So my band, their band was called 12,000 Stadia. We had, uh, we had just sort of like... Um, become Christians in the last like year and a half. And so our previous band called Indecent Exposure. Uh, <laughs> so we changed it to 12,000 Stadia and we, you know, we were just writing songs, right? And, and stealing lyrics from any place that we could and putting our, our rock songs to it. So we, we played that song and it was, it was terrible, right? And, and I still dream of having written a different song for that high school talent show in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, that nobody was at, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure that talent scouts were there, right? In Cape Girardeau, <laughs> like handing out record deals or something, right? But yet, I'm still, uh, there's some sort of significance, right? That was longing to be marked, a value, longing to be, to, to have happened in that moment, right? From someone's validation of saying, wow, what a talented or great person. You, you, you've done something spectacular. Still to this day, my mind goes there longing to have done something better on that day. How important it is for us to almost to, to be able to pause and to hear this sort of good news of our fathers. Because if you know, if my, you know, of parents who, as you go to your kids' things, you're so, you love them, right? You're so, you're so pleased, with them and, and you say that oh, I'm so pleased with you I love you I loved I loved that song that you wrote <laughs> right because you love them how many of us need to know that of our value and our pleasure I felt like as even I was driving in thinking about that moment I felt like the Lord was whispering to me I loved that song <laughs> you, you guys plagiarized and put out there I loved it right not because you're, you know, because I love you. And expressions of your silliness within your high school in that moment of expressing music and creativity in any way you could. And how could it be that we could be set free knowing that we were fully loved and approved and valued by our Father? Would, that, would, would those implications spill over into every area of our life that we wouldn't be demanding anyone else to earn a significant place in our lives by what they do. 
that we wouldn't demand anyone to be spectacular, that we could value them for who they are. We could use this language of love and, and, and family and of great value with no strings attached. It's so significant and so good. The implications for this is huge. What would it be like for um, a group of people to know that they were adopted into God's family together? That they were brothers and sisters being included in, all of them, in some ways, orphans that God is pulling in to speak into their pain of their past, of all this. What would those relationships look like? What would it look like for a people to know that? And what patterns would they have? Take um, here a minute. And so some of you are sitting alone, and I invite you to speak to the people next to you. And if you were sitting alone, you felt like you, you didn't... You know, but I want, I want you to maybe um, yell over three pews if you're sitting alone, right? And say, hey, what, what would you think? What would it look like for group people to really, really believe and continue to remind each other of their adoption? What would that look like in their relationships with one another and with God? What, do you, what would you think? What are the implications for that? So take a minute, turn to each other, share your thoughts. Okay, so yell out a few things that grabbed your attention um, for that somebody said or that you said. That what, what are some of the implications for what would that look like in a community of people who actually believed that and shared that with one another? Acceptance. Acceptance. Yeah. Peace of mind. Is it validation or value? Yeah. Confidence. Yeah. And so the, the part of this is saying that this is just not something that we receive when we feel like when we were born into this family. It's something that this is a reality that we need to continue to live in. As I know, it's one of the things that I need to continue to hear again and again because I forget and want to earn my significance, want to do something spectacular, want, want to um, be pulled into something, forget the overwhelming value of the good news of being adopted into God's family and what the words of the father and the family continue to speak over each other. 
right? We think that it, maybe it's the junior high kids that we need to continue to tell them, don't forget who you are and all the messages that you guys might be sharing with your kids in junior high or high school, right? About their identity. Oh my word, as adults, how much more do we need to hear the good news about our adoption and our value and our love through what Jesus Christ has done with his life, his death and his resurrection that pulls us into his family as children, as heirs. That's adoption. So sanctification and the implications for this. Again, this is, a, this is what I'm talking about being set apart, that we're given this new life and identity by the Holy Spirit who now lives inside of us. And the implications for this is that we don't need to look anywhere else for our identity and our purpose since we've been reborn by the Holy Spirit. Picked, selected, set apart for God's work. Well, he's still at work. That we are set apart to look more and more like Jesus is a part of our purpose, our identity as children of God, as image bearers of God. How beautiful. And that a part of our role is to be part of God's ongoing, redemptive and rescuing and renewing work in this world. Not that we are the ones doing it, but that Jesus is continuing to do it. A beautiful testimony of Scott sharing as Harvey was sharing the love of God as he is being reformed and renewed by the person of Jesus Christ. And sharing that wherever he goes, his purpose, his identity as an image bearer of God, as a son of God. That's what sanctification is. And the implication is that we can reorient we can move our lives, we can surround, we can circle, we can, we, our lives can be more about just living and working and finding comfort, but they can be about actually pursuing the mission of Jesus to make disciples in this world. We are set apart for God's good work. And there are huge implications for what this would mean for us. And it means that God is at work within us, that we are his craftsmanship created for good works in Jesus Christ. It's your destiny to be a part of that. And you are continuing being sanctified and set apart for those good works that, you've been, that have been planned for you. What a hope that is there to remind each other that you're being set apart, you're being sanctified, this ongoing process through the work and the life of Jesus Christ, his sacrificial death and his eternal resurrection. There's great implications, and you can understand how these truths could continue to be spoken over us, who continue to forget the reality that the good news of Jesus is meant not only to impact our future, but it's meant to impact our present today living, as well as to impact our past sins and struggles and hurts. It informs so much. Colossians 2, verses 6 to 10. It encourages this. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. And then picking up in verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. In Christ, there is a fullness for you of God. You've been brought to this. And what we want to do is that we want to explore this reality of the fullness of life that is in Christ for us 
right now that is present and to figure out how to be a, a people who can know this good news, continue to believe it ourselves, to overcome all the lies that we're experiencing so that we would not enter into disbelief, but that we would be able to share the reality of us being adopted and saved and justified and sanctified all through the work of Jesus Christ to rescue and renew us. That's the journey that we're on. I want to invite you guys to, 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 to come, that we, would, that we would allow these truths to wash upon us, that you would discuss them with others. And I think some of the biggest questions that we're going to be asking as we enter into that is like, which one is the hardest one for you to believe? Which is the one that you're continually the most attacked in? Or that just, you know, or the one that doesn't really sound like good news? Doesn't seem to matter. Which one feels the weakest? Which one, which one is the one that is just like, no, that can't be for me. That's not my reality. Those are the questions you'd love to be able to ask and write down and discuss with others. And maybe ask God, God, which is the one that you want to speak, that you want to whisper into my ear today? For me, it was the one about adoption, even just kind of pausing for the moment this morning, him wanting to whisper that to me. I pray that God would continue to whisper to you through the voices of the people around you as you engage in groups. That he would whisper to you right here today about the truth of the good news. Um, and that we could be people who would continue to remind each other of the impact of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come with us on this journey. But let's, let's pause and allow the Holy Spirit to want to speak to, to us at this moment. So let's pray. So Father... We praise you for this reality. We don't want these just to be facts, but these are things that are meant to penetrate our hearts and our minds and our souls that actually have implications for the way that we would uh, engage with you or come to you. We wouldn't hide implications for the way that we'll react to each other. They'll, They'll have implications for the way we rest and the way that we would sleep at night and the way that we would awake in the morning to truly know that these things are true. And so I pray, God, by your spirit, that if there are lies, if there's a deceit, if there's a lie that we've held on to about who we are, about who you are and the good news and that, that, that doesn't apply to us, that we think that somehow we're outside. I want to pray, God, you would speak into that. So, Lord, would you bring to the surface which one of these truths we are struggling to believe? It's the hardest for us to grapple with or the one that just it sounds like if it was if it could be applied to us it would be such good news so holy spirit we invite you to speak right now to whisper into our lives that we could hear you that you could be involved in this dialogue lord with us so holy spirit come and speak right now lord we invite you we're listening